Duke fans, welcome to the happy world of the Duke Basketball Report podcast, because the Blue Devils got a win. This is episode number 274. I'm your host today. My name is Jason Evans, like you didn't already know that, and like you didn't already know that joining me, as always, are Donald Wine and Sam Klein. Sam, I go to you first. How are you feeling this morning? I am good. It is a snowy day up here in Boston, and I did not get to watch the game live last night, but I watched it this morning on the very crisp hour and 15-minute condensed version on the Watch ESPN app. So that was highly efficient. Uh, hang on. You said it's, so this is the world we live in. It's snowy there. In Atlanta, yes. it's like mid-60s. Like I was, I took a walk in my shorts yesterday. Uh, I sit in my shorts in the apartment. Uh, <laughs> but then it, it's a whole, it's a whole process when I, when I do have to go outside because I have to switch from like shorts and a t-shirt to like full winter gear, uh, which involves, you know, like putting on the long johns and everything. And then the moment that I come back into the apartment, it's very warm and I have to immediately take all the clothes off, which is, I think is a terrible uh, image in, in everyone else's mind, but it's just the, <laughs> it's just the reality that I live in. Donald wine. You know, it feels like we talk about the weather way too much around here. Don't we Donald? Yeah, but the weather is, is, is nice, especially when you don't go outside. So uh, I is not snowy here. It is also not mid sixties. It's like, or it's like the low forties, but I will tell you this. 20 years ago today, guys, as we record on January 27th, gone in 54 seconds. Miracle minute. Should we just do, should we do a classic DVR throwback and, and record <laughs> the reaction to that game? <laughs> I Maybe just we'll do that this summer. I just Actually, I've got, I, 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 I've been doing nothing for the past few weeks, but talking to members of the 2001 basketball team, as you guys know. Uh, and I have gotten a lot of good content about the Miracle Minute game. Guys, you know, telling me about, you know, where they were, what was going on. I've gotten, I can't even tell you how much I have on how much these guys hated Maryland. So they enjoyed that victory, let me tell you. I can't maybe, wait maybe for we'll that do, Maybe we'll do one of those throwback episodes like we did for the Christian Leitner uh, shot at the buzzer game. Maybe we'll do one of those over the summer before you release the, the 2001 uh, podumentary that, that you're working on right now. I can just, I could just tell you right now, I will just recreate what I did in that moment in my dorm room uh, and in the halls. And that's just going to be a lot of yelling and a lot of curse words. So that was going to say, is it, episode. is it, a, is it appropriate for you to recreate all that? It, it won't be, but I'm going to do it anyway. If we're going to do it, I got to do it. I got to do it right. Advance warning. If we recreate the 2001 retrospective on the miracle minute game, it will require some bit of alcohol before we record. <laughs> Not for me. I was still in my, uh, let's see, I was 11 years old when that happened, 10 years I old was, when that happened. I was sober for that game, but I can recreate it drunk. I can definitely do that. I'm, I'm, trying, to remember, that I'm trying to remember what, what, I, what would my poison have been when I was 10 years old. I'll find out, and then I'll, and then I'll recreate what was in my dinner from that you night. Yoo-hoo. Yeah. <laughs> I was really right, into chocolate milk. Let's, let's get to something serious uh, and, and something fun, which is the Blue Devils uh, broke their three-game losing streak. They defeated the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets last night in Cameron Indoor Stadium, 75-68. to 68. Um, uh, Those who have been writing the obituary on the Duke Blue Devil season may need to revise those obituaries and perhaps write a completely different story. Uh, it, it was a game where Duke was great at closing out halves, um, and, and scored the final seven points of the game in the final minute 20 to get their victory. As we always do, we will start with the headline before we get to the good news and the bad news. Uh, Donald, what is your headline from this game? 
Mine is inconsistency remains, but Duke overcomes it all for strong finish and much needed win. I like it. Sam, what's your headline? I had Duke escapes, but not without some stings. You get it? Because <laughs> they played the Yellow Jackets. You see what I did there? Very Zing. nice. Very nice. And, and my headline plays off of the fact that Duke uh, closed both the first half and the second half quite impressively. I said, Duke gets better as the clock ticks down, leading to a hard fought and much needed victory. Um, uh, the Blue Devils closed the first half with a 10 to nothing run in the final four minutes. As I said, they closed the game with a seven nothing run, taking a tie game uh, with a minute 20 left and turning it into a, a backdoor cover. One of the things that was discussed on SportsCenter last night, one of the things I've discussed a lot, Duke has only covered one game this season. Well, they just covered another one. They were a six-point favorite against Georgia Tech, and they found a way to win this game by seven. And so, and it was a bad beat in the over-under category, too, because the over-under was 141, and this one was 143. Yep, yep. Uh, so gamblers, if you uh, were betting against Duke and betting the under, you had a bad final minute 20 of that game, let me tell you. <laughs> but let's start now. Let's get to the good news because there's a lot to talk about here. I've got copious notes, but I'm going to let you go first. Sam, I will hit you up. Give me your good news from this game, from, your, from watching the condensed version. When we previewed this game, we talked about how potent Georgia Tech's offense is. And I think the the biggest best takeaway from this game is how much the Duke defense was able to lock up the yellow jackets effectively to, to seal the victory. Georgia tech did not really get into their offensive flow, especially as you noted, Jason at the end of both of those halves and particularly at the end of the game where Georgia tech just seemed a little disjointed and they weren't quite able to get it together. The shooting wasn't quite there for Georgia tech. They Duke was able to hold them under 70 points, which I think we had we had failed to recognize this, but in looking at Georgia Tech's uh, season to date, 70 is kind of the 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 threshold for them. If if Georgia Tech is able to score 70, they almost always get a win. If they don't score 70, they almost always lose. That is held true throughout the season. Duke held them to 68. So I'm overall very impressed with the defense. I thought Jordan Goldwire had a wonderful game last night. looked looked really strong at both ends and and. You know, I think in a bit we'll get to the the bad news about uh, I think it's primarily around Jeremy Roach, and so looking forward, I expect to see more minutes for Jordan Goldwire at the point guard position. Hopefully, th this means that he's really coming into into his own late in his Duke career. I, I love that you mentioned uh, uh, the, the way that Jordan Goldwire played, uh, and I was on the post game news conference. I, I wanted to play off of you really quick for a moment, Sam. Coach K spoke in the post game news conference. Uh, about Jordan Goldwire and said that he and Wendell Moore were real leaders in this game. We've, we've spoken extensively about the, the lack of uh, captains, official captains on this team. I'm getting the impression that Coach K thinks that Wendell Moore and Jordan Goldwire are acting like captains. He talked about the, how much they talked and how much they led in this game. He praised their communication over and over again. And he said about Jordan Goldwire that this was, he thought, Jordan's best game of the season. I, I'd, arg I'd argue it may have been Jordan Goldwire's best game in a Duke uniform. Uh, 11 points, seven assists, five rebounds, only made one turnover. And, and I want to point out something, a, a, sort of a key moment in the game. Uh, with one minute left and Duke clinging to a one-point lead, um, Jordan Goldwire made a great steal on Jose Alvarado, which, which essentially changed the game. And, and fin uh, you know, it allowed Duke to get a comfortable lead that Duke then you know, were, was able to stretch out to seven points for the final victory. And I want to point out something from the four-minute mark at the end of the game, down to that one minute mark. The teams traded baskets or points, I should say, 
on eight consecutive possessions. Duke would score, then Georgia Tech would score, then Duke would score, then Georgia Tech would score on eight consecutive possessions. So getting that stop, getting Jordan Goldwire to get that steal and preventing Georgia Tech from doing another trading of baskets and trading of the lead was huge. Uh, and, and, and by the way, Duke scored on every one of their last eight possessions of the game. I mean, how's that for crunch time? Also, D- also, with, yeah. also with Jordan Goldwire, I don't know if you're going to mention this, but he also had that key offensive rebound off of a missed free throw with 30 seconds he left. Did. He and did. And that is also what gave us another possession. They ended up filing, and we made both of those free throws going away. So, so that's, that's us talking about how great Jordan Goldwire played. Donald, um, give me something else you liked. I, I, I bet I know where you're going to go. Free throws. You have to oh, talk yeah. about free throws. Absolutely. And, and this was a point of emphasis uh, in the pregame. There was a point of emphasis from Coach K in the, in the past press conference after Louisville. He mentioned that these guys had not been getting to the free throw line and that we've been uh, – the disparity between the number of free throws we have attempted and the number of free throws our opponents attempted has been – considerably great and really something that was a cause for concern well in this game they did all right you know they that you could tell with and, and I think with Goldwire and even with you know Jalen Johnson Matthew Hurt they put a lot of emphasis on getting to the rack they were 26 for 58 from the floor but they only took 16 threes but because they had an emphasis on going to the hole they knew they were either going to try and make it or get fouled. And sure enough, they went to the free throw line 22 times. They made 18 of them, 80%. That's terrific. Uh, Georgia Tech was four for five from the line. So the the foul disparity wasn't uh, that off. You know, we had 10 fouls, they had 17, but it was the positions that we were being fouled in. A lot of times Jalen Johnson was getting uh, fouled going to the lane. He was playing through contact. Coach K talked about that a lot. The fact that he was able to finish, that was really that is what changed the course of the game is the fact that we were able to get to the free throw line and make them because the number of field goal attempts was skewed in favor of Georgia tech, but everything else was skewed in, in, in favor of Duke. The free throws are what pulled it out for us. Well, the field goal attempts were skewed for Georgia tech because we took so many free throws. By the way, you mentioned Jalen Johnson drawing fouls. Um, Matthew hurt drew seven fouls all by himself. That's, that's a really big deal. And yeah, Matthew Hurt, ironically, is the is the guy who who missed the most free throws and, and was like right, the worst right. from the line on the night. <laughs> but I think that's my my other uh, you know great thing from this game is that Matt Hurt con- continues to be a consistently high level player. Continues to make these incredibly challenging shots. He's clearly diving into the 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 Dirk Nowitzki tapes these this year and and taking his best lessons from from the uh, from the Dirk lineup of of turnarounds and and one footers most college players I don't want to see taking shots like that Matt Hurt has clearly put in the work to justify taking a lot of these mid-range shots and he continued to perform uh, really well from the mid-range and and from the interior against Georgia Tech 5 for 7 on two pointers that's that's a great night for for Matt Hurt and, you know, one last thing on, on the free throws that I want to point out, it, it, it goes both ways. I mean, look, we are, we are thrilled and we're celebrating the fact that Duke got to the line a lot because it's something that Duke has not done very well at all. But another part of that is um, Duke did not send Georgia Tech to the free throw line very much. Coach K, again, you know, in the postgame press conference, he talked last week, he talked about the fact that Duke was playing defense too much with our hands. And he wanted us to, to learn to play without putting our hands on guys because that's how you draw fouls. Clearly, they worked on that. He said they worked on that in practice. They watched some tape, and they learned those lessons. Now, Georgia Tech is not a team that puts you in foul trouble a lot, 
but Duke only committed 10 total fouls in this game. Donald, I think you mentioned that. And, and Duke didn't have a single guy who had more than three. We've seen Matthew Hurt. We've seen Jalen Johnson get in trouble on, uh, on picking up too many fouls this season at various times. So it was really great to see that not happen with them. And with, with that, I want to transition to one more good thing that I really wanted to mention, which is the Duke big men. Um, and again, I, I sort of go back to what we talked about in the preview. One of the things I mentioned was Georgia Tech tends to play like four guards around one big man. Um, and that as a result, Duke is going to have an advantage on the interior. And they really took advantage of that advantage. We hammered Georgia Tech on the boards. We beat them 43 to 28. That's a 15 rebound advantage. Um, it's yet another way that this game was sort of the opposite of the Louisville game in Louisville. We got killed on the boards. We got killed at the free throw line against Georgia Tech. We killed them on the boards. We killed them at the free throw line. Uh, clear that those are ways that you, you get to win games. And I got to talk about Mark Williams. Guy was an absolute difference maker in the first half. And it wasn't just the fact that he was getting some buckets. Just his presence, I think, in the lane changed what Georgia Tech was trying to do on offense. Um, uh, his length around the hoop makes it so that uh, even when he's not recording official block shots, he's affecting things. And, and Coach K said uh, in the postgame that Mark has had a few really good days in practice lately, and they realize they have to get him in games more. He showed in this game he deserves those minutes. He needs to get those minutes. He makes Duke a better team when he is on the floor. I really hope he builds on this. He could be incredibly special with the length and athleticism that he has. Um, and, you know, I'd, I'd hope we didn't see him as much in the second half as I really hoped. Um, he played a lot in the first half, not as much in the second half. I think part of that was that was that Johnson and Hurt were playing really, really well together. And Coach K did want to break that up. But but I we've been talking about consistency. If Mark Williams can build on this and be consistent, if he can be consistently 15 minutes and impacting the game in those 15 minutes, that's huge, huge for Duke. Yeah, and, and really when it comes to Mark Williams, there is a couple, there's a one instance in the first half that I'll talk about, and it translates to what he did in his limited minutes in the second half. So in the first half, there was a point where he he got the ball, he dunked it hard. The next play, there was a foul, and he, it was called the goaltending on him because he pinned the ball off the backboard. But when he did it, he did it from like eight feet away. So you could tell his length, like, he, I mean, he reached out and just barely missed it, and it was – and just barely missed getting it in time. So there was that. But then on the very next possession, we had a miss and he was blocked out by a guy who was six, five. And I feel like at halftime, they talked about saying like, yo, you are seven inches bigger than everyone else on the floor. You were the biggest man on the floor. Use that length, use that power, use that strength. Because in the second half, when he did come in, he had one move where he got the ball. He backed him down with a power dribble and basically cleared everybody out of the lane where he could just dunk it easily and with authority. So that's what you want to see from Mark Williams. And on rebounding, he was great uh, minus a couple of possessions. But I think if he can consistently realize that he is the biggest, strongest dude on the court, he's going to be consistent in getting what he wants. Guys, I've got one last little piece of good news, and it's going to start out in a way that's going to surprise you and be like, how is this good news? So Georgia Tech at one point hit a three-pointer that clanged against the back of the rim, shot straight up in the air, about 10 or 12 feet in the air, and dropped through. I mean, completely lucky. They yeah, also hit awful. they hit a ridiculous prayer from 25 feet. Uh, as the shot clock was running down, dude just tossed it up. It almost hit the roof. It went so high. I mean, that shot had maybe a 3% chance of going in when it left his hands. Even with those two incredibly lucky threes, neither one of those had any business going in. Even with those two incredibly lucky threes, Georgia Tech only hit 33% of their threes in this game. They are one of the best teams in the country 
at hitting three-pointers. They're generally up near 40%. We closed out well. We made sure their threes were contested. And that was a huge part of keeping them from scoring. Other than Jose Alvarado, there is no one on that team that had a good offensive game and no one on that team was really going off from three. And that has been Georgia Tech's formula for success in the past. I credit the Duke defense with playing a role in stopping that. And so with that, guys, it is time to get the bad news. We had fun talking about the good news, but not everything is good. Um, uh, Donald, I'll, I'll go to you first. What, 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 what are the vegetables? What's the autoplay videos that we have to endure from this game? Okay, so I, I'm not going to talk about the obvious win because I know one of you guys is going to discuss it. I want to talk about some of the other ones that are out there. Namely, Wendell Moore, we, we talked about his leadership, and his leadership was great. But Wendell Moore, uh, Jeremy Brakefield, and Joey Baker were largely ineffective on the night on offense. If you throw in, if you throw in Jeremy Roach as well to that, they combined went one for 11 on the night. It was really, it came down to, you know, DJ Stewart, Matthew Hurt, Jayla Johnson did well, and Mark Williams and Jordan Goldwire did well on both ends of the floor, but everyone else was largely ineffective. And you want to see consistency, and that consistency isn't there from those guys. We've seen them have good nights followed by bad nights. We've had them had bad nights followed by more bad nights. We want to see them get more consistent where we can rely on them, even if it's for eight points a game, even if for six points a game, even if it's for three or four rebounds, whatever that is. I want them to build on that consistency. We just haven't seen it yet. And that was partially why Georgia Tech was in this game and crept back into the game after we were up 11 at one point. Yeah, I wanted to see more of Jamin Brakefield. It does feel a little bit like Coach K has relegated him back to being out of the lineup now that Jalen Johnson's back. But I thought that during Johnson's absence that Brakefield held his own you know, more than adequately for this team and, and probably deserves to be playing more minutes. I hope that there's a way for, for him to be getting into the rotation a little more, especially since it still feels like Henry Coleman's not, not breaking through either, but um, yeah, Donald, I, I, I see your point that, that as good as a couple of the guys have been consistently for Duke this year, most of the players have still continued to be inconsistent and you would like to see, you know, it, instead of it being three or four guys you can count on that there are five or six or seven guys to count on. And that is probably Let, wait, what let's, takes let's... Duke up to, from you know a good team to a great team. Hey, let's be clear. I don't think there are three or four guys at this point that we feel like we can rely on. Matthew Hurt right. to me is the only consistent performer for Duke on this season, and 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 we we got to get the three before we can get to five. I I hope we can get the three. I feel like maybe Jalen Johnson and um, Jordan Goldwire and DJ Stewart. Those are the categories to get us to about three or four guys that we can somewhat consistently count on, and that would be huge if we could get to that point because. I mean, there are plenty of games where it's Matthew Hurt and you have no idea who else is going to be able to do anything for this team. Uh, I, I did want to mention, um, boy, I, 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 I hate to do it. We got to talk about Jeremy Roach, don't we? I mean, mm -hmm. uh, he had six straight games where he scored in double figures by slashing to the rim, by drawing fouls, and he even hit some threes in those games. Lately, he is a shadow of that player. Um, this is the second consecutive game where he's failed to even score a single point. Um, he didn't get a single assist in this game. He's fouling a lot. He's committing multiple turnovers. Guy's clearly capable. I mean, we've seen flashes of it to know that he can play at a really high level, but he's just in a really deep funk at the moment. And I, I don't know what gets him out of it. Um, uh, any suggestions, <laughs> any thoughts, gentlemen? 
I think that the emergence of Jordan Goldwire is going to help Jeremy Roach because I, I think that Goldwire naturally acts as like a, as like a motivating force for him, whether that's in the sort of behind the scenes. I think we know that, that Goldwire is, is fairly popular with his teammates and is one of the de facto leaders on this team, but also from a, from a demonstration on court perspective that Roach can watch Goldwire, not that he's going to take Jordan Goldwire's like shot selection, which I could do without, but at least to see Jordan Goldwire's like commitment and intensity and, and focus on the court. If Jeremy Roach has that with his talent, he's going to be really effective. And, uh, you know, go ahead, Doc, go. And, and with, with Jeremy Roach, like, yeah, he had a bad, he's had a bad couple of games, bad few games. And I, I don't expect that to be the case. I, I, you know, there, there are shooting slumps, and there's slumps at what he's had because it seems like he he his slump has frustrated him on defense as well because he he gave up you know a, a few points on defense that really was what took him out of the game, but I think when it comes to Jeremy Roach and really just it goes back to consistency. I mean, he was fairly consistent for a while and then he wasn't, and then DJ Stewart has been fairly consistent for a while and then he hasn't. Then Jordan Goldwire is consistent for a while and then he hasn't. Window more the, the four guards. And if you throw in Joey Baker into that mix, we need two of them to be consistent. We need two of them to be where on any given night, you know what you're going to expect from them and you hope for one of the others to step up and it gives them opportunity for the other players to step up because if all four of them or all five of them are not going to be consistent, then we have to wonder where is the scoring come from? Where is the defense coming from when we should be making it so that the opponent has to go, man, who's going to kill us tonight? because we know that these guys are going to be here, which is the other, which is the fifth guy that we got a key on. Yeah. And um, this, this consistency and guard play that we're lamenting primarily on offense also extends to defense for the second game in a row. Duke was absolutely strangled by a lead guard that was running pick and roll and just killing us. Uh, It was Carlick Jones last game against Louisville. This game, it was Jose Alvarado. Um, I just feel very lucky that Clemson, our next opponent, does not have a lead guard on that level. Uh, Nick Honor and Alamir Al- Dawes are the two guys who play point guard for Clemson. We'll, we'll talk more about them in just a little bit. But luckily, neither one of them <laughs> are as good as Jose Alvarado and Carlick Jones. I, I, I almost have I, – I sent this to, to some friends last night. Uh, I'm sure you guys know the, the scene from A Clockwork Orange where, um, where Roddy McDowell is, is strapped into a chair – and his eyes are being held open by a device, and he is forced to watch on screen something that he is supposed to learn over and over and over again. I won't get into the whole plot of A Clockwork Orange, but he's trapped there, and his eyes are, are pried open, and he is watching you know, this stuff on a screen. I almost feel like we should take Jeremy Roach and force him to watch Carlick Jones and Jose Alvarado just carving us up with the pick and roll. Uh, for a couple hours or days in a row so that Jeremy Roach picks up some tips because I think he can be that kind of player. He has the body type. He has the the handle that he could be that kind of player at some point in the future. And it would be a great weapon to have in our arsenal because we're seeing it used against us a tremendous thanks, amount. Thanks a lot, Jason. I was planning on sleeping this evening and now <laughs> I got to have that image in my head. I'm just going to be watching TV with my eyes wide open. That's great. Yeah, <laughs> I have I have genuine nightmares about that movie. So. <laughs> <laughs> Sleep is overrated anyway. I got one more little bad thing, and then Sam, I know you've got one more, uh, and then we'll wrap up the, the bad. Uh, I, I do want to mention that Duke is still searching for a good outside shooting game. <laughs> DJ Stewart got hot for a little stretch, but we still ended up only hitting 31% of our threes. I counted at least six, yes, six wide open threes that we missed. And by wide open, I mean there was no one within 10 
feet of our man. And there were two times in the second half, right around the eight minute mark, between the eight and the seven minute mark of the second half, Duke had a four point lead. And on back-to-back possessions, Duke got five on three fast breaks, five on three. And on each of those possessions, we ended up getting a wide open, no one near him, take time, you know, lick your fingers, stick it in the air and check the direction that the wind is blowing kind of time for Matthew Hurt and DJ Stewart to take three-pointers. Wide open three-pointers, plenty of time. They clanked both of them. Neither one of them went down. Look, I, I know you can't hit every three, but goodness gracious, can we, can we get a game where we hit at least a third of them? 31% in this game, including a ton of wide, wide, wide open misses. Duke's got to have good outside shooting games at some point, don't they, please? The wide, the wide open ones are, are the ones that not, I mean, they, they give you, they make it demoralizing quicker because if we hit them, the other team is like calling timeouts on some of these plays immediately. Cause I mean, like you said, there was somewhere, you know, they could, they literally could drop the ball and like play a game of cards and then shoot the ball. And they had enough time. If they make those, the team is immediately calling timeout to be like, yo, where is the defensive lapse in this? Because that is, that is where the backbreakers come. The one other bad observation that I had sort of relates to that Jason, which is that Duke only has 16 assists on 26 made field goals, but with all the, we talked about how many free throws Duke attempted with all those additional free throws. It's it's, I, I still don't think the ball is moving around well enough where, and, and maybe it is just guys need to, to make the open shots when they get them, but I want to see the the passing improve. I, I want to see the ball movement improve. I've talked about that for a few weeks. I still think Duke has a, a little ways to go in that department. Yeah, Sam, that's definitely true. And we're going to see if we can go in that direction with our next opponent, the Clemson Tigers. We will be previewing that game coming up after this quick break. All right, so we're back after that short break, and it's time to look ahead. The Blue Devils on a one-game winning streak, hoping to take it to two. We'll be playing the Clemson Tigers, a team that about a week ago looked like they were at the top of the ACC. They were knocking on the door of the top 10 nationally. And the past three games, the wheels have come off for Clemson. I mean, you thought Duke was in a bad three-game slide. At least our games were close. Clemson's getting their doors blown off of them the past three games. Uh, Donald, uh, let me go to you first. What, what have we seen from their results, right? You're the guy who looks at, you know, what, what Clemson's results have been. Ain't been good lately. <laughs> yeah, well, they're nine and four, and they're three and four in the ACC because all four of their losses have come in the ACC. That's how math works. Uh, but really, like you said, they're on a three-game losing streak. They do play, as we record tonight, they do play against Louisville. So maybe they break that tonight tonight, or maybe it's a four-game losing streak when we play them on Saturday uh, at noon. But they, they lost to Virginia Tech back in December by six. It was a very competitive game. That was back when both teams were kind of, they were both undefeated and they were trying to see like, oh, who's going to be the surprise team? We, we mentioned this in our ACC preview because it was right after that game. And then over the past 11 days, they've lost to UVA by 35, to Georgia Tech by 18, and to FSU by 19. So they, they really have got to figure out a way to uh, clamp down on defense because they've given up a lot of points in all of those games. Their best wins, however, are against FSU. They played FSU twice already, and they did beat Alabama early in the year, which has turned out to be a very significant win for them when it comes to the NCAA tournament seeding. They've also beat Purdue, Maryland, Miami, and NC State. So those are the teams that they've kind of uh, played so far this year. They're not kind of schedule other than those games have, you know, nothing really to write home about, but 
I will say when it comes to how they play, when they beat Alabama and they beat FSU, they're very physical on the basketball and they're very, they're able to kind of push up against guys and make them cre- do bad things with the basketball. They, when they played for FSU earlier this week, they didn't do that. And FSU was like, cool, we'll just, we'll just beat the brakes off you. And that's what they did. So that, you know, those sort of things, I, I'd like to look at the, you know, the game tonight, obviously we can't preview uh, their game tonight against Louisville. But I will be interested in watching how they react to how they've done so far and play Louisville because, again, that's a similar opponent that we just played. I want to see how they combat that to see what we need to do to beat them on, on Saturday. Yeah, there are a lot of teams sort of bunched up in the middle in the ACC. And, uh, you know, every game really matters in that kind of case. You know, when this game against Louisville for them tonight and the game against Duke, you know, win those, suddenly you're feeling pretty good. Lose those, suddenly you're in real trouble. Um, it, it, it can get away from you quickly or it can accelerate nicely for you depending on what happens in these various games. I want to look at the advanced stats like I always do for, for Clemson. Um, this is a, a great defensive team. Earlier in the season, they were number one, the best team in the land, according to Ken Pomeroy in their defense. But, uh, you know, like Donald said, they have been crushed in their past three games, giving up 80 plus points in each of those losses. By the way, Clemson's a team that does not play at a fast pace, sort of like Virginia, they play slowly. So to give up 80 points is a really big deal for them. Both Virginia and Georgia Tech hit better than 60% of their threes. I mean, that's a huge number. Um, And then Florida State went to the free throw line almost 30 times against them. You give up a lot of threes, you give up a lot of free throws, your defensive efficiency is going to suffer desperately. So... Clemson went from the number one rated defense. They're currently number 21. And that tells you how far and how fast they have fallen in the past, you know, 10, 11 days or so. The thing that makes their D good is forcing turnovers. They're the 13th best team in the country at forcing turnovers. They're also pretty good at not drawing fouls. They typically don't foul a lot, even though Florida State managed to get to the line a lot against them. And let me talk about their offense for a moment because they're they're a team that struggles somewhat on offense. They're just number 80. 80th best offense in the country. It is fairly rare for them to score even 70 points. I talked about the fact they play at a fairly slow pace, so they don't tend to score a lot. They really struggle to get to the free throw line. They, they get their shots blocked at the rim a pretty fair bit, and they give up a fair number of steals, more than 10% of their possessions in with the other team racing down court after making a steal. And they're frankly a below average three-point shooting team. They're not terrible, but they're certainly not very good at that. So those are sort of the things that I look forward to uh, 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 you know, in terms of knowing what kind of game we're going to play against Clemson. Sam, give me the players. Who are the guys we need to watch out for in this team? Led by Amir Sims, no question about it. He's been there for nine years now, right? Or is it 11, something like that? Yeah, I was, I, I was I was going to ask uh, if if you guys remember Amir Sims, who has always been a Clemson basketball player. Him, and, him so, and Toby Bailey were in the same high school class. I don't know if you remember Toby Bailey, who played for 87 years at UCLA. There you go. <laughs> uh so unlike Georgia Tech, Clemson has a, a much deeper bench. You're going to see maybe nine or 10 guys get double-figure minutes for them. So I'll highlight a few of the, the starters and kind of key players for them, but you will see a lot of subbing for Clemson when they play Duke. That is, that is by design. They, they, they run around a lot, and like Jason mentioned, they're, they're a very strong defensive team. They're able to keep those bodies fresh to, to lock it up on defense. So that's, that's a thing to look for. Another thing that you'll note on this team of the top six guys in their rotation, three of them are six, eight and above. So there are a couple of small players on this team, but there are also a few very big players and Duke is going to have to match them with size. I think that the thing to look out for is 
the Duke big men getting more minutes. We talked in the Georgia Tech recap about how, yes, there there was some good big men play, but there's still even more room, I think, for guys like Brakefield and Coleman to to have big games and and Mark Williams potentially to play a bigger role. Clemson is a great opponent to do that against because they bring big men. So, you know, seeing both Matt Hurt and Jalen Johnson playing the four, maybe even the three at certain times, at certain times, depending on what kind of lineup Clemson throws out. You know, one thing about Duke playing the bigs is that uh, sometimes Clemson's big man, the guy they're playing at the center, is Amir Sims. And when they're playing Amir Sims as their, as their primary big, I think it's going to be very difficult for Duke to have someone like Mark Williams in the game because Amir Sims is liable to take you outside. He He's perfectly comfortable shooting three-pointers. They run the offense through him out there a lot where he's you know looking for other guys. He, he likes to drive from outside. He is a non-traditional big. So that is one thing to look out for. Um, I think Matthew Hurt probably will be fine covering him and Jalen Johnson for sure can go out and, and be mobile enough to handle something like that. But, but it could limit someone like um, uh, like Mark Williams' ability to get time. But Clemson has other big men, Sam, who, who uh, Mark Williams will fare perfectly well against. Do you think this is a game where Amir Sims might get some, uh, just to kind of shake it up a little bit, to throw in someone like Wendell Moore, uh, who is big enough to kind of be out there, but also be in a position that'll free up, hopefully, Matthew Hurt and Jalen Johnson to do their thing inside too? I think the Amir Sims element, makes it a little bit of a wild card for Duke. And if you go back to Duke's collapse last year against Clemson, I don't want to relive it too much, but Sims was incredible against Duke last year, 25 points and and eight rebounds. So I am sure the team is locked in on him as the guy they need to stop first and foremost. Some other guys that I think are important for Clemson, we mentioned earlier Alamir Dawes, who, who's been on that team for a few years, and, and Duke fans will probably remember him. John Newman is, a, is an older guard that has been there for a couple of years. He's actually taken a little bit of a step back this year, in mostly um, to the benefit of Nick Honor, who's the, the one key newcomer for the Tigers. He's a sophomore transfer. He came from Fordham, where he was really only an okay player but has been, has been very effective for Clemson this year, averaging about 20 minutes, a little more than 20 minutes a game coming off the bench and, and almost 10 points a game. And also in those limited minutes, leading the team in assists, two and a half assists and one and a half steals. So he's very active. He's, he's not that big, but has been very active and, and very effective for Clemson this year. So, so Nick Honors a guy to look out for. Uh, that is that kind of does it for like the the main guys on this Clemson team. But as I said, lots of dudes are going to be subbing in and out for them. They've in in recent games they've had nine, ten, even eleven guys playing playing uh, double digit minutes. So um, watch out for for lots of of substitutions and and fouling out guys. Maybe short of Amir Sims is not going to be an effective strategy for Duke. So uh, Ken Pomeroy predicts that Duke will win this game by about four points, uh, actually by a score of 69 to 65, a low scoring game. Um, so, so we shall see. I certainly hope something like that comes true. This would be a, an important and good win for, for the Blue Devils. And so that's going to wrap it up for us here on episode number 274 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. Donald and Sam, thanks for joining me here at midday on a Wednesday celebrating a Duke victory. Folks, we'll be back over the weekend to talk more about the game against Clemson. Uh, We'll have Player of the Week and all those other kind of fun stuff. We remind you, as always, please like and subscribe to this podcast so you get it as soon as we do it. And email us. Send us your emails at dbrpodcast at gmail.com. 
dbrpodcast at gmail.com. That's the way to reach out to us. We read those emails on the air. We love hearing from all of you whenever you reach out to us. For Donald and Sam, I am Jason. Episode 274 in the books. Duke Band, take us home. Jay will just hit another three against Maryland. By the way, I want to tell you guys an interesting story because this has happened to me before. Um, uh, so you guys remember a couple of years ago, I interviewed Bobby Hurley and I forgot to record. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nate James, I was interviewing Nate James just yesterday. Uh, I, he and I had spoken for about 20 minutes, uh, you know, for the 2001 memory and, podcast. And you wasn't recording? And I wasn't recording. And, and I went, I went, oh my God. I just really, I looked at my screen. I realized I wasn't recording. And I was like, oh my God, Nate, I feel terrible. And literally at that moment, his phone rings. It was his wife and he had to do something. You know, had a family thing that he had, you know, like he had to stop. And so he goes, uh-huh. we'll do it some other day. And I was like, thank God. <laughs> Cause I didn't get any of that. Oh man. Oh boy. Well, at least, at least next time you could just kind of start over and be like, look, first time didn't happen. You know, you don't have to worry about whatever. If you like to turn a phrase, you'll maybe you'll remember it again, but whatever. Yeah, exactly. 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 This is Jason. Hey, Jason. Greg with ST's Plumbing. How are you? Hey, Greg. I'm just fine. Good. I was just giving you college and I was headed your way. Looks like I'm giving you an estimate on a water heater. Yep, that's correct. How long? Look, uh, about 30 minutes. Okay. Thank you. Thanks. See you then. <laughs> you know, I mean, terrible timing. Did they give you a nice uh, window of like eight to four? Oh, no, no. No, the window was much tighter than that. It was eight to eight. 8 a.m. To-, to 8 p.m. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a pretty, that's a pretty, <laughs> that's the window I would give you. Oh, uh, are you kidding me? I mean, like, we're going to start recording and he's going to show up at the door. God damn it. Is it just you there? My wife is here. Oh. Okay. No matter what, uh, we're going to have to, whatever we're talking about at that moment, we will have to take a break. Because the dog will go batshit crazy. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we'll have to take a little, you know, three to five minute break. Um, not even, it won't be that long, but I'll, I'll let the guy in. I'll show him where it is and, and then I'll come back. We'll record and okay. come on, Sam, hurry up so we can get started. <laughs> hey, we won today. That's good. Great. Next one. Uh, we're previewing the game. Yes, we're playing. Great. Thanks for joining us. That's the episode two seventy four. Bam! <laughs> Did it quick. <laughs> we're gonna go pace. We're gonna go. Uh, we're gonna go show the plumber. That's how you have to do. Like we're gonna take a quick break. We're gonna go show the plumber where where he's fixing where fixing the hot pipes, water heater is. Where the hot water heater is. <laughs> People are gonna be like, "What?" Yeah. <laughs> oh boy.